The BYU football program is 4-1 and one on the season and doing pretty well, all things considered. What to take away from the Cincinnati win and obviously entering a bye week? What can the Cougars improve on? We're talking about all that on today's show. You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everybody? I'm Jay Catch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, your resident BYU insider. Thank you for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. Thank you to all of you who are everydayers with us right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. We are your original daily podcast focused on all things BYU sports, and we are brought to you today by our friends over at Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use the promo code Locked On College for twenty dollars off your first purchase. It's all courtesy of your friends over at Game Time. All right. Let's dive right in and, of course, talk some BYU football. Now, I plan to do a a film review Monday edition of the podcast, as I typically do, looking back at the win over Cincinnati. But as it has been recently, I had a car get hit in a parking lot. I had an equipment malfunction with uh, some of my podcast equipment yesterday. So this is why this edition is finally getting out to you guys on Tuesday. Uh, So bear with me. Apologies for the lack of podcasts of late. The good news is, is my uh, son, who was born last week that necessitated taking some time off. He is doing quite well in the NICU and we're hopeful to get him home uh, as soon as possible. So thank you truthfully for all the well wishes from all y'all and I cannot thank you guys enough uh, for continuing to stick with us uh, during a little bit of of an upheaval with this podcast. But plan is to get back to daily podcasts the rest of this week and obviously going into next week as BYU resumes their season against TCU. But uh, coming out of the Cincinnati game just for a moment here, the Cougars are now 4-1 folks. Uh, BYU's playing really, really well, all things considered. I am fond of saying on this podcast, and you guys are probably sick of me talking about it, but all that really matters at the end of the day for you as a fan is to have your team, in this case BYU, have more points on the board than the opposition. That's exactly what they did against Cincinnati. I'm not going to delve into every single note that I wrote down because at this point it feels like it's a little bit uh, too far in the past, but the biggest thing I took away from that Cincinnati win for the Cougars is BYU is far from playing their best football right now. I don't think I'm saying anything that's revelatory to any of you out there when I say that, but the bigger point I'm trying to make is is that BYU sits at 4-1 and one on the season. They're doing about as well as you could have hoped for, I think, truthfully as a fan. In your heart of hearts, going into the season, there may be some of you who are like, no, they were going to be 5-0. and oh. They should be 5-0. and oh. You know what? I You have a, a, a faith and a belief in the BYU football program that I don't think many people have, if that's what your heart of hearts was telling you. But I think most of you out there thought the best-case scenario was probably 3-2, and 4-1 and one at the very best as they reach the bye week. And that's exactly what they are. They're 4-1 and one right now. If you're a BYU fan, you got to be feeling very, very good about where the Cougars stand right now. Are they perfect? No, by no means are they perfect. In many respects, they have so many different places that they can improve upon. They went 29 minutes of essentially offensive futility against Cincinnati, turned it on with 36 seconds to go at the end of the first half, and then in a grand total, I I timed this out, 7 minutes and 22 seconds of game time against Cincinnati, they piled up... Uh, nearly 240-some-odd yards and 28 points. 
really impressive efficiency for BYU right now on offense. They're not getting the requisite amount of snaps they typically like to have. That's actually been a, 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 an issue they have faced uh, the last couple of seasons, actually the last three seasons, I should say, coming into this one. And the hope is they would get more of the snaps they were looking for. And really the only game that they have had, uh, really their preferred share of snaps, and what I'm talking about is like 75 plus, that I can recall uh, is the is the Kansas game. So, the thing is, BYU is being very, very uh, efficient with their touches. Like I said, they're not playing great football right now. The offensive line is coming along. I thought they had their best performance as an offensive line, especially in the run game against uh, Cincinnati, who, by the way, multiple people have mentioned that would know that Cincinnati maybe had the best rush defense BYU has faced all year long. And the Cougars ground out a grand total, I think it was 70 yards, if you go just by the box score. But that also includes that muff snap that went over the head of Keaton Slovis late in the game as BYU looked like they were going to put it away uh, there on the doorstep of the goal line. But they had one of their finer performances, maybe their best, in my opinion. It's my opinion. Uh, their best performance rushing the football, and especially the work by the offensive line in that game. But the good news is the Cougars are 4-1. and one. They're doing everything you could have hoped for right now. The mark of a good team, I've had multiple coaches tell me this over the years in my 15 years plus in the media game, is that the mark of a good team is finding ways to win even if you're not uh, operating in peak efficiency. And BYU's not operating at peak efficiency. If they were operating at peak efficiency, they wouldn't have gone 29 minutes of game time with more than two yards passing against Cincinnati. You saw them turn it around and find a way to win a game. They got obviously got 14 points off the two turnovers that Cincinnati handed to them. Uh, handed to them is relative, but nonetheless, they got the points off the turnovers, which is a huge key. It really, in many respects, will tell you the winning team and the losing team in a lot of contests. So the Cougars are 4-1. and one. They're two games from bull eligibility. They're knocking on the door, it feels like, of really uh, making some noise in the Big 12 this year. And the good news is, it looks like the Big 12, as we kind of expected coming into this year, has got a lot of teams jumbled in the middle here that on any given weekend, it feels like any of those teams can win that. And BYU's right there in that mix. They can spend this bye week, and we'll talk more about what I'd like to see them accomplish in the bye week and some of the changes I'd like to see from my perspective uh, later on this week. We'll also catch up with Connor Pay on tomorrow's podcast and let him have his say on what he takes away from Cincinnati and obviously looking at the bye. But the bigger thing for BYU is now you can take a minute, take a breath, understand that you've got two games down in your first run through the Big 12. You're one and one. You're right in the mix right now. And what do you need to do? What do you need to fix? What do you need to improve on to be a a power player, I guess is the easiest way to say it, down the stretch this season. That's going to be the big determining factor of BYU's ultimate success or failure in most people's eyes is how they compete in the Big 12 year one. I have been very adamant in saying that I think that 6-6 six and six would be a fantastic debut in my mind for the Cougars. But when I said 6-6 six and six in the preseason, I did not have them sitting at 4-1. and one. I thought 4-1 and one was a best-case scenario for the Cougars uh, coming out of the first five games of the season. Now that they have won four games, can they grind out three or four more wins down the stretch and get to seven or eight wins their first year in the Big 12 and really establish themselves as maybe the best, if not the best, newcomer into the Big 12 conference? That would be a really, really massive accomplishment for BYU, but there's still a long ways to go. They've got to go out and prove themselves against some very elite talent down the stretch here. you got the likes of Texas and Oklahoma out there. West Virginia has been a surprise of their own. You're obviously going to face Texas Tech. You're going to face off against Oklahoma State. There are opportunities and also pitfalls along the way the rest of the season for the Cougars 
this year. But the good news is, is they are 4-1 right now, and they have not played their best football quite yet. Once they hit their stride, how good could this team be? And that is a fantastic question to chew on, and we'll try and uh, see if we can find out more about that as the season progresses. All right, coming up here in just a minute, I got a couple of the notes from the Cincinnati game that I, I feel like are things that I saw that were positives that I think BYU can take from that win and project forward here and also come up a little later on. We'll talk about at least two former Cougars who are just absolutely rocking and rolling in the NFL. I think most of you know who they are. And also, by the way, BYU women's soccer won by a touchdown at Iowa State. We'll explain more about that as today's show progresses a little later on. Real quick, a word on our friends over at Game Time, though. Of course, all of us want to get tickets to our favorite events. Uh, some of you may have inside, like guys like Nate Bargatze last week at the Delta Center. You got another show that's coming up, whether it's in the, the comedy realm, you're going to a, a big football game if it's BYU or the like, an NFL game. No matter what you're interested in, Game Time has got the answers for you, uh, got the answers and the options for you guys to get the tickets to the events that you want to attend. The last minute tickets, they have flash sales, zone deals, they even have uh, tickets that are available day of for incredible. Incredible prices. They have views from all seats in the venue available inside the app. You can see exactly what your perspective is going to be when you buy those tickets. And most importantly, they have a lowest price guarantee. If you find tickets that are a cheaper price in the same row, that you buy tickets in, uh, they will give you 110% of the difference back. More than what you paid back uh, from a friends at Game Time. It's one of their guarantees. They absolutely love to back up what they are doing here. They have zone deals where you pick the section, and the Game Time picks the seats for an average of 18% savings as well. They've got all the options for you guys. Whether you want to go to football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and many, many more, Game Time has got the answer for you guys. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and by the way, right now, when you use the promo code Locked On College. You'll get $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply again. Create that account. Use the promo code Locked On College. It's L O C K E D O N C O L L E G E for $20 off. Download Game Time, to it. Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Today's show is also brought to you by our friends over at Perry Homes, one of our great local sponsors. Whether you're looking for your first home or you're ready to upgrade to your dream home, Perry Homes has a house for you. For 50 years, Perry Homes has been Utah's premier home builder with communities throughout the state. They have many communities, home designs, and price points, all designed to meet your needs, my friends. They have beautiful communities in Davis, Salt Lake, Tooele, and Utah counties here along the Wasatch Front. Or if you want to move down to southern Utah, they've got multiple communities in Washington County near St. George as well. They offer over 50 unique home designs from Ramblers to two stories to townhomes as well. And more importantly, even have quick moving homes available if you're ready to move now. So take advantage of it now, my friends. Visit PerryHomesUtah.com to see what's new in Utah's finest neighborhoods. That's PerryHomesUtah.com. P-E-R-R-Y, by the way. Uh, PerryHomesUtah.com to learn more now. For 50 years, Utah has been coming home to Perry Homes. Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars a part of your routine. Thank you for being everydayers with us here on the podcast. On Friday, make sure you guys don't miss it. It's Locked On College Football Kickoff Live every Friday morning right here on Locked On Cougars and every other Locked On College channel on YouTube Friday mornings from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Mountain Time. That's 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Really, really fun stuff. In-depth conversations about the biggest games of the weekend. Uh, What matchups to keep an eye out for. They do their conference confidential uh, conference, uh, they call them conference confidential, I believe is what they call them, where they go conference by conference looking at all the big storylines. T- ch- check it out, my friends. It's a really, really cool product. It's all uh, for free. Friday mornings, 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Mountain Time, or uh, for those of you outside the uh, Utah, you got 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, you can uh, orient yourself accordingly to wherever your time zone might be. All right. <clears throat> 
couple of notes uh, coming out of the Cincinnati game for BYU. And uh, the biggest thing for me for BYU is that the Cougars, they are continuing to uh, really, it feels like, progress in multiple circumstances. I already mentioned, I felt like BYU's offensive line had one of its best performances of the season. And it was most notably to me in the rush game. Uh, they really, really were on the same page, it felt like, from the get-go. It's crazy to think, because you remember that first drive for BYU? So many people I, I had on my social media feed, why are they running the football so much? They should be a throwing team. Well, they were running the ball well, and had Keelan Marion not missed one block on that speed option out to the left side, you guys might remember earlier in this game, they may have busted that play loose for another 10 or 15 yards. It's crazy how close certain plays, if you go back and watch them on tape, are to really breaking things open. And that's just one of some of these plays. And it's just, it's one block. Keelan Marion lost focus for all of a second. The defensive player got past him. He was supposed to block and goes and makes the tackle. Had he get that block and had he gotten any sort of block on that play, who knows what it turns into. And that's the biggest thing for BYU right now is they are getting closer and closer, as I mentioned earlier on in today's show, uh, to getting to the peak efficiency that we all desire. Them, They themselves inside the locker room and those of us on the outside, whether it's media or fans alike, we want them to play at. The other thing I really liked, let me pull my phone out about this. I, I wrote down a very interesting piece about this, is that it, it was really nice to see Keaton Slovis, once he got going, he never seemed like a lost focus at that point. It, it took a minute for him to get going. It took 29 minutes for the offense to really get untracked. Remember, they were 36 seconds to go. They're facing, an, it was 82 yards. They're on the 18-yard line, and you're like, okay, what can they really do here? All of a sudden, pass, pass, pass interference, pass, touchdown. It was like, Holy smokes. And I mentioned they scored all four of their offensive touchdowns in seven minutes and 22 seconds of game time. Really, really impressive numbers it felt like from the Cougars. And the nice part for BYU right now is that you're seeing players step up in multiple circumstances. Case in point, Harrison Taggart. He steps in for an injured Ben Bywater. And I thought BYU's defense did not have its finest performance. They're actually far from it. They gave him almost 500 total yards of offense. But they got two uh, really big turnovers that helped stem the tide and really turn this game for BYU. But Harrison Taggart early on in this game against Cincinnati was not very good. But in the second half, it looked like he finally started clicking for him. He started understanding what he was supposed to do as that Mac linebacker, as they call him. It's the middle linebacker spot that Ben Bywater has been manning for all of the season until this game against Cincinnati. I thought Harrison Taggart was indicative of exactly what BYU is doing right now. They're not necessarily playing uh, elite football right now, but they're playing good football and they're getting better at it. And he was just kind of the, the latest example to me for that. He really, really settled into this game. In the first half, he looked like a, a puppy who just didn't necessarily know what he's doing. But as the game progressed, he got better and better and better. Was it perfect? No, it was not perfect. But he was he was better as the game progressed. Other guy I really liked in this game was Crew Wakely. He came back, obviously, from that uh, concussion he suffered the first play against Arkansas. We saw him play uh, sparingly against Kansas after being cleared. He saw some time on special teams, but he re-entered the fold on defense this week for BYU, and whereas a guy like Ethan Slade uh, struggled in my mind on tape, Crew Wakely was very, very good in this game. Very physical as a safety. I really liked what he was showing, and Tanner Wall continues to just be this absolute stalwart on the back end of BYU's defense. By the way, Keep an eye on uh, Raider DeMooney. He is starting to really find his footing as well. I think that Raider DeMooney could end up as a starting safety uh, as soon as next week against TCU. He is coming on that strong right now as he figures things out in this BYU defense. He's had all the physical tools his entire life. He's 6'2", 210 pounds. He is everything you want in a premier safety for BYU. The biggest thing for him was just really understanding the scheme and concepts and then putting that together on the football field. And it feels like he is coming along very, very nicely 
So keep an eye on him. I thought he was actually really good in the time that I saw him on the field. Uh, the other thing about this is Keaton Slovis, I, going back to him for just a minute, he was absolutely masterful once he really got into the groove of things. Think about what he was doing in that second half. I, I don't care that the, the pass that he threw that ended up as the touchdown to Chase Roberts was uh, necessarily meant for, uh, for uh, uh, Keanu Hill. But it was the the ability for him to avoid a free rushing linebacker who had him dead to rights in that pocket. He just sidesteps him, just kind of like does like a swim move over the top of him and fires this pass downfield. Sometimes it's better to be lucky than good, and that's the same thing that goes for Jacob Robinson and and screwing up his assignment on that pick six he had. But in the, in the circumstance that the touchdown went to Chase Roberts, the footwork and the ability to manipulate the pocket it was phenomenal from Keaton Slovis, and that's something that he has really shown all year long is once he gets locked in in a game, he gets into a groove. Really, the only game he didn't seem like he was in a groove for was Sam Houston. For whatever reason, it just didn't really get to, uh, to that point. But once he gets locked in and it feels like things start to flow, the creative juices, I guess you could say, are flowing for him, he is nearly unflappable. It's really, really fun to watch. And that's what I really like about uh, Keaton is the hope is that as they go into TCU, he'll be locked in earlier on in this game and be able to help BYU uh, BYU out. By the way, we just uh, learned the kickoff of that today. Uh, 1.30 Mountain Time. It'll be 2.30 for those of you making the trip to Fort Worth. A, a day game for BYU. And I can already hear the click. Oh, they need to play under the lights. You know what? This is the new era for BYU. There's going to be quite a few day games. When you go out on the road for BYU... Don't be surprised by 10 a.m. kickoffs, 1.30 kickoffs, uh, heck, even uh, 3.30. Just expect day games when BYU's on the road in this conference. They're going east. They're going to the east coast. They're also going to the central time zone. Those games are typically not kicking off at 7 or 8 o'clock mountain time. It's just not what's going to happen. Uh, Other thing I really liked in this game, it was good to see Miles Davis start to finally see some action for BYU. They used, they call it misdirection. It's like a misdirection sweep where the entire offensive line looks like they're blocking one. One way, and then Miles Davis. It looks like he might be going on a counter. Then he just takes it on a sweep to the far to the wide side of the field, and he's got one guy to beat. It's usually the, the defensive end or the outside linebacker, and he uses his speed to get to the outside. And that was a fantastic effort from him. Him with L.J. Martin, they both averaged north of four yards per carry. That's a really really healthy average. That's actually very phenomenal numbers for the BYU football program. So. If this continues to go the way it's going, I really like where things are progressing for the Cougars. Now they spend this bye week obviously healing up a little bit, hopefully get some of these guys back who have been banged up, guys like Ben Bywater, Waylon Lapuaho, uh, Cody Epps, and the like. And who knows if they're ultimately going to be able to heal up in the two weeks here they've got to get healthy. But you need as many fresh bodies as you can get, even guys who aren't injured, let them rest up. And then as they get back out there on the football field, Hopefully they can uh, kick off a month of October that on paper looks very, very difficult for the Cougars. But at this point in the season, who's going to count out BYU in any game outside of maybe Texas down the stretch here? Really, what games are you counting BYU out of right now? I wouldn't be counting them out of any, really, uh, personally, because they have proven time and time again that even when the chips are down, they really are, it's going against them. They find ways to win football games. And that's really, really, like I said, a good mark of a good football program. And so. We'll see where it's where it goes. All right, uh, we will wrap up today's edition of the show. I'm kind of blending my Monday and Tuesday show uh, ideas into one. We'll talk about the results for BYU women's soccer on the road last night. We'll also talk about uh, some of the NFL notes as well as we continue on right here on Locked on Cougars. Now, a word on our friends over at uh, Bird Dogs. Now, you've heard me talk about Bird Dogs in the past. What is Bird Dogs? They want you guys to look good. Who doesn't want to look good? 
We all do, but bird dogs have stretched khaki shorts that are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg, giving you a truly sculpted look. Even with the weather getting a little bit cooler as well, they even have pants that do the exact same thing, no matter what you're looking for. They do the exact same thing as Lululemon, but they fit way better. Think about that. Bird dog shorts uh, are, uh, they fit way better than uh, regular shorts that are made of a stiff, restricting cotton. They have fixed that issue by replacing that strict, uh, that, cotton by doing it with cloud knit fabric that looks just like khaki but stretches you get a waistline or fit without having to sacrifice any of the movement bird dogs also uses anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long and they are functional for literally any occasion golf date going out on the town for the night workouts lounging even when you're just doing your work that you can all be done with bird dogs so go to birddogs.com slash locked on college and enter the promo code locked on college at checkout for a free bird dogs water bottle with your order once again, that's promo code locked on college at birddogs.com slash locked on college for a free water bottle at checkout. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you. Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars a part of your day, everybody. Hope you're having a fantastic uh, day whenever you hear this. And once again, uh, thank you for all the well wishes when it comes to my uh, little guy, uh, Landon. Uh, he is uh, progressing well. Let's just put it that way. I'll just, I'll give you guys a little bit of insight into the Hatch family dynamic right now. It's just it's kind of weird having uh, my wife and uh, other two children at home, but him still being in the NICU. But we're very hopeful that he'll be home soon enough. But uh you guys aren't here for updates on my kid. You're here for updates on BYU. So let's talk about BYU women's soccer. Uh, season high, 30 shots. A season high in goals with seven as they uh, put up a touchdown on Iowa State on the road yesterday. Really, really phenomenal work done by uh, Jennifer Rockwood's squad. Uh, they're off to a really good start this season. They're still ranked in the top 10 in the country. Will they ever ascend back to the number one spot this season? It doesn't really feel like it unless they really uh, put on a phenomenal uh, run down the stretch here. But the good news is for BYU is they continue to get better, speaking of the women's soccer program. Uh, Iowa State, not necessarily the, the, the juggernaut that you would expect them to be. For, for BYU you to go out there on the road, go to Ames, and put up seven goals and put seven goals past Iowa State. Really impressive stuff. Any of you tuned into the ESPN Plus broadcast probably heard the BYU cheers uh, ringing out uh, on the pitch there at Iowa State. It was actually a pretty healthy, I saw Greg Rebell tweet out, a pretty healthy crowd for BYU that was on hand. That's the thing about this, folks. I love BYU fans. I love all y'all out there because no matter where BYU teams are playing, they can be playing... I don't know, tennis in Timbuktu. And there are going to be BYU fans who are like, hey, uh, BYU's in our neck of the woods. Let's go. That, that's what I love about BYU. I, 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 I cannot get over the fact that BYU literally has fans everywhere. And obviously a lot of it does with the affiliation with the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. By the way, I hope you all enjoyed the conference. That was phenomenal. Uh, great talks and the like. But the, the affiliation with the church literally gives BYU a built-in fan base that is going to travel with them no matter where they go. Ames, Iowa is not a hotbed for BYU fans. I, I can uh, pretty assuredly say that. But when BYU plays in Ames, Iowa, I don't care what the sport is. BYU fans are going to show up, wear the royal blue, and sport and support the BYU Cougars. And that's what I absolutely love about that. So a big win for BYU women's soccer. But more importantly, uh, they continue to kind of do their thing out there. And they're really, really showing well right now. Other thing, uh, how awesome is uh, Pukunakula right now? 
what an incredible story this has been, folks, to watch Pukunakua do his thing. He has now set records for uh, touchdown receptions through a player's first four games. Yards, 501 yards on the season. He's got the third best odds, according to most odds makers out there, of being uh, the NFL Rookie of the Year. He is absolutely lighting the NFL world on fire, and for him to score his first career touchdown and beat Blake Freeland and the Indianapolis Colts in overtime on that play, what an incredible play. Now, would I have thrown the football in the crowd? Eh, maybe not, because that's your first ever touchdown, young man. Now, you could probably barter with the fan, whoever may have caught it, and get it back. And I know that Kainakua's older brother said, hey, I need to know where that football went. I want that football. It's a piece of history, obviously. But let's enjoy what Pukunaku is doing. Let's not downplay what this young man has accomplished with the Los Angeles Rams. It was crazy to me that he fell to the fifth round. And I know the injury concerns were there and people were questioning and Fessy Satake said it himself on Twitter. 40 times are completely overrated because Puka was reported to have run a 4-5-7. You know what? He plays like a 4-4 wide receiver out there with his route running, his ability to just go up and be physical in traffic, come down with passes. No wonder the Los Angeles Rams are loving this kid right now. Also, Zach Wilson, what an incredible performance against the Dallas Cowboys. The Dallas Cowboys and Micah Parsons are one of the better defenses in the NFL. They're top 10 at the very worst. I'd probably say they're a top 5 defense in my mind. And Zach Wilson, excuse me, I'm I'm thinking the Dallas Cowboys. That was two weeks ago. I'm thinking the Kansas City Chiefs. Apologies. Uh, The Kansas City Chiefs, also a very good defense. My apologies for that screw up in my mind. But it was fun to see Zach do his thing against the Chiefs. Now, Patrick Mahomes had two very inexplicable interceptions in that game, but it doesn't matter. I, and also, Zach had the fumble as well, and he you saw him mouthing on the sideline. It's my fault I lost this game. It was good to see his teammates coalesce around him. Because this was, a, remember, there were these rumors popping up immediately after he took over the starting job for the Jets. Guys don't want to play for him. They're, they're going to boycott if Zach Wilson ends up as, as the starting quarterback for the Jets. And it doesn't look that way. And that's awesome to see for Zach. He has made amends for some of the gaffes he had a season ago that really did turn off the locker room uh, to how he was operating as a quarterback. He has learned a lot from that situation. And if he can replicate what he did, uh, I think they said, wasn't it the only player who had like outgunned, essentially, out outplayed uh, Patrick Mahomes both in his college and NFL career was Zach freaking Wilson. That's awesome. And if he can replicate that, and now they're playing the Denver Broncos this week, and you want to talk about a bottom-tier defense, yeah, that's the Denver Broncos. When you give up 70 points to the Miami Dolphins, yeah, guess what? Zach Wilson's got to be licking his chops thinking, you know what? I just did that against the Kansas City Chiefs, and Rodney Harrison and his buffoonery when it comes to saying he's trash on TV, you know what? That guy can get stuffed for for all I care because that was really, really inappropriate, it felt like, because he's trying to bait uh, uh, Clark, uh, Chris uh, Chris Jones, excuse me, into uh, going off on Zach Wilson. To Chris Jones' credit, he really did back up what Zach Wilson did. He said he was a very good player. He had a really good game. Patrick Mahomes said the same thing. It's cool to see Zach getting some of his due. Uh, LeBron James uh, threw out a tweet saying, hey, we all make mistakes. You're going to bounce back from this. I really like what Zach Wilson is doing right now. Is he going to be the quarterback that we all dreamed he was going to be from the second he was the number two overall pick in the NFL? It feels like that's still a ways off, but there are enough positive signs from this most recent performance against the Chiefs, and even some of the moments, I, I kind of made that mistake with the Dallas Cowboys the week before, there were moments in that game where he looked like a competent quarterback. As he continues to make these progressions, it feels like the Jets may start to realize what Zach Wilson ultimately can become down the stretch. Like I said, is it going to be a franchise-style quarterback? TBD. But there are enough positive signs right now, and Zach is learning and maturing that it feels like the the best is yet to come for him with the New York Jets. And if the Jets are, are lucky here... 
Uh, Aaron Rodder continue. Aaron Rodgers, not Aaron Roderick. Aaron Rodgers continues to mentor him. There's gonna be positive things to obviously build upon uh, for the time being, and obviously going forward here for the Jets. So it's really fun to see some of these guys doing their thing. By the way, congratulations to Blake Freeland as well. Should have mentioned that when I was talking about Puka Nakua. He got his first career start for the Indianapolis Colts, and I thought he acquitted himself all right in that game. Obviously, is a progression to be made there as a fourth round pick. But it's fun to see these guys doing their thing in the NFL. These former Cougars, and we'll be rooting them on, obviously, and hope that they continue to do their thing. Puka's just been lights out. Zach, like I said, is making progress. Fred Warner continues to just be this absolute stud for the 49ers. There's a lot of really, really fun storylines out there for these former Cougars and the pros, and we'll continue to track them as the NFL season progresses. All right, I've I've said enough. So uh, thank you for all the support, truthfully. And uh, thank you for everything you guys, uh, the well wishes you guys have sent, all that type of stuff. And I cannot thank you guys enough for everything you guys do to help support this podcast. Uh, Once again, thank you for making it your first listen of the day. Thank you to all of you, once again, who are everydayers with us as well. And like I said, we're going to get back to a pretty regular schedule here. The equipment malfunction has been rectified, and obviously we'll be back again tomorrow talking all things with Connor Pay right here on Locked on Cougars. See ya.